interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic, then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. In this podcast, Matt and I take a deep dive into the misstatements and misadventures of former Boeing CEO Dennis Muhlenberg. The New York Times and Wall Street Journal both reported a series of missteps by the now former CEO Boeing over the past several months, and we use that as a starting point to talk about what should be a CEO's role in the ethical makeup of a corporation and how a board of directors is really the only control that you can have over the ethical actions of a CEO. We also take a look at this from the compliance perspective in terms of the difference in a compliance professional whose role is to prevent, detect, and remediate in the context of cooperation with the government after an issue arises. Of course, the three prongs are self-reporting, cooperation, and remediation, and how the compliance practitioner's requirements under each of those and cooperating with the government. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, along with Matt Kelly, uh, the coolest guy in compliance. And today we are back to talk about one of our favorite subjects, which is Boeing. Uh, both uh, specifically Dennis Muhlenberg, the now, spoiler alert, former president of Boeing. Matt wrote a blog post on uh, the missteps, the recent re- missteps of uh, Boeing's president, Mr. Muhlenberg. Um, and uh, after having posted that blog post, uh, Muhlenberg was fired. I'm, I'm not asking you to connect the dots, but it's the reality of it. So, um a lot to unpack here, a lot to unpack from the ethics perspective. I think a lot to unpack from the compliance perspective. Um, this was misstep on misstep. Uh, I can already feel the rage starting, so perhaps I should uh, step back and uh, say welcome, Matt, and uh, how are things in Boston? Uh, hello, Tom. It is good to be here. Actually, in Boston, just before Christmas, we have had an unusual bout of very nice warm weather. And uh, everybody is in relaxed pre-Christmas mode, so that gave me plenty of time over the weekend to start writing about uh, Dennis Muhlenberg. And then, lo and behold, as soon as I post up my analysis, word breaks that, in fact, the board had fired him this morning. So here we all are. So uh, I rarely use this phrase with you, but uh, clearly your Irish was up, and I suppose, given your name and uh, background, that that would be an appropriate statement. Uh, it, uh, we both read the same article on Sunday with the New York Times, and that seemed to be a good starting point uh, because you started your article with it. So why don't you start with that, and we can lead up to some of the lessons for our compliance and ethics friends. Yeah, so this was an article on the New York Times on Sunday that uh, basically had recounted Muhlenberg's missteps and mishandling of the MAX air crash investigations since the MAX was grounded, I think, back in March. It's been about 10 months now. 
after those two plane crashes of the MAX that had killed 346 people and grounded the MAX worldwide. And then last week, Boeing announced that it would be halting production of the MAX until further notice. Uh, People not in aviation have no illusions about how dramatic a step that is. That is going to cost Boeing an obscene amount of money. Um, On top of the $8 billion it has already spent, on top of um, all the other economic disruption that halting the MAX is going to have, that could actually slow the GDP growth of the U.S. by a tenth of percent or two. Uh, That's what some economists say. But anyways, all of that had been uh, captured in the New York Times article. But really what caught my mind was a conversation that Dennis Muhlenberg was having with the FAA. And we have to do a little bit of laying out of a timeline here. Um, So first MAX crash happened in October of 2018. By January 2019... Boeing's internal investigators had found some messages, internal messages from one Boeing test pilot to another that had actually happened two years prior before any crash at all. But um, those messages said basically what we now know um, is that the navigation system for the MAX jet was unpredictable and very difficult to use in uh, critical situations. That's exactly what happened with that first crash investigation ensues. They find these internal messages in January of 2019. They do nothing with them. They do not disclose them. A second crash then happens in March of 2019 after Boeing had found these internal messages from two years before. And then, of course, uh, in the regulatory world, all hell breaks loose. Max jets are grounded around the world. Um, There is an in-depth investigation going on by the FAA And Boeing knows it has these internal messages and then promptly sits on them for another nine months until finally in October of this year, Boeing admitted just before Dennis Muhlenberg was going to testify in front of Congress, uh, Boeing coughs up the existence of these messages from 2017, I think it was, talking about the problems with the MAX. And um, everybody goes nuts. How could you know this and not confess it? What are you guys thinking? What happened to disclosure? And then it gets to this paragraph in the New York Times article. And that, Tom, I'll take a break after that. But this is what jumped out at me. And it's only three sentences. I'll read it verbatim here. Muhlenberg and Mr. Dickinson, who took over the FAA last summer, spoke for the first time later that day. I think that day is in October. Muhlenberg said Boeing had not told the FAA about the messages out of concern that doing so would interfere with a criminal investigation being conducted by the Justice Department. Mr. Dickinson of the FAA, Mr. Dickinson said that lack of transparency would only increase the regulators' scrutiny of the company. Um, No kidding. Mr. Muhlenberg, what did you think was going to happen here? So here they were sitting on really explosive evidence that they knew something was wrong with uh, the Max jet. And it's not even that they sat on it when they had one crash, but weren't sure yet. But after the second crash, they still sat on it as they were being investigated until finally it all comes out many months later. And Muhlenberg says, well, we didn't give it up because we thought it might compromise a criminal probe into our company. And I just... I, I was absolutely shocked, and I'll take a breath, Tom, and hand it off to you. But, but that's really that was the latest before Muhlenberg got fired this morning. So that uh, you're correct. That information came out last October, and uh, Dickinson at the time 
I think, uh, was very upset with the lack of candor from Boeing and expressed that to Boeing and uh, tersely, if I can reuse that word, uh, spoke to Boeing about the need for more candor and to turn over everything. Thereafter, Boeing turned over an internal whistleblower report that also had made its way to Muhlenberg uh, that the head of production, uh, or at least one of the executives and head of the physical construction of the 737 MAX, uh, noted there were uh, safety issues in the production. And he actually wrote in the whistleblower report for the first time ever, uh, I uh, am reluctant to have my family fly on a Boeing 737 MAX. And so Muhlenberg was, uh, had both of those uh, reports. The um, March uh, timeframe that you talked about when the plane was grounded, we have to remind our listeners that Muhlenberg had personally called President Trump and asked him not to uh, ground the fleet or, or order the FAA not to ground the fleet. This was in the face of, as you pointed out, him knowing that the uh, internal investigation uh, uh, turned up uh, problems with uh, the software, uh, with him knowing about this whistleblower report, uh, yet he was asking the president not to do so. Uh, I think Trump, that was his inclination not to do so, but uh, the information came out and the rest of the world grounded the fleet. And frankly, the FAA had really no choice uh, but to follow this uh, grounding for the safety of the American flying public, uh, yeah. as bad as all of that is, it has only gotten worse. And the number of missteps that Muhlenberg has made uh, literally throughout this entire time frame um, led certainly me to, to, in a podcast this morning, to ask why does this guy still have a job? Well, we know the answer to that. Now he doesn't have a job. But uh, there's really a lot to unpack from the, like I said, the ethics and compliance perspective. So why don't I turn it back over to you and ask you why ethics and action matters in a situation like this? Yeah, sure. So I, I'll definitely concede to you a lot of the compliance stuff because I haven't been able to keep pace with all of the missteps here. I would just focus in on this part here. That paragraph that I had recited at the end of my last uh, speech there, where Muhlenberg sat on this um, very uncomfortable very explosive, very damning uh, information. He didn't give it up to the FAA because he was afraid that might somehow jeopardize uh, Boeing's position with the criminal probe by the Justice Department. My very first thought after that was the FCPA corporate enforcement policy from 2017. And the three principles of that policy, probably most listeners know, you self-report the misconduct, you cooperate with the investigation, you remediate the problems. And I zeroed in on the cooperate in investigation. There was an investigation by the FAA and by the Justice Department and everybody else these days. I think every regulator around in the world is watching this mess. Um, But they had information and they weren't disclosing it. And that shows me that it contradicts the spirit of cooperation. So I just couldn't believe it uh, because I understand that the corporate enforcement policy first came out in 2017 specifically for the FCPA, but the principles of it have since been rolled out for pretty much every type of corporate misconduct the Justice Department might investigate. 
whether that's antitrust, whether it's export controls, whether it's um, any other issue at all, uh, it always comes back to if you want more favorable treatment during the prosecution and investigation, you report it, you cooperate, you remediate. And here they are not cooperating. Um, I just didn't get it. I mean, how could you not see from a very simple ethical standpoint that that is going to get you into trouble? And I can even appreciate that maybe there are Boeing lawyers or other corporate defense lawyers out there who might say that a joint civil criminal probe is a very complex thing. You can't necessarily just shotgun all your um, potentially culpable evidence out there and see what happens. Maybe there are going to be some other litigation repercussions of doing that. I can see why people are going to say, I can't just paint this in a broad brush. The thing with ethics is that, yes, you can. You can paint ethics with a very broad brush because these are some pretty basic ethical principles that we all get. We all inculcate into our children before they're five years old. I know this because I've got two of them in that profile in my house right now, and I know what I'm teaching them. You know, don't lie. Don't try and cover something up. It is better to confess something than to be proven guilty of something. And when you do confess, don't confess a little bit of it and hold some back. Like, confess it all. These are basic ethical principles that we are, are deeply ingrained in our society, and they work. And they sweep aside all the other legal niceties and extenuating circumstances that might lead a lawyer to say, well, let's not just do this yet. As soon as you say that, you're, you're trying to split hairs when most people are just going to zero right in on the fact of the, the ethics of it. Um, Muhlenberg knew that he had some big issues here. Muhlenberg knew that he had some evidence that was really serious, and Muhlenberg sat on it as people were drumming their fingers, waiting to try and get to the truth. And he had some truth that he didn't share. What did he think was going to happen? I mean, I, I'm almost at a loss for words, all evidence to the contrary. I just you, you have to sit back and wonder what was going through his head, that he thought this was the proper response, given the severity of what had happened. So if I could maybe focus uh, more on the compliance side, and, and I have to first say I agree with everything you've said, but over on compliance, and, and I guess I would start with, Matt, the Boeing compliance team, the Boeing compliance program, I think we both know members from the Boeing compliance team. Certainly their compliance program is one that has been held up for many years in the anti-bribery, anti-corruption space as one that that really is, uh, I don't want to say cutting edge, but certainly best practices, high quality program, whatever you might want to call it. And one that, that yeah. we've looked up to, certainly I've looked up to, um, they have been at events that you have run uh, and uh, were very open about uh, their commitment to ethics and compliance. And, and we saw that kind of completely fail in this. But from the compliance perspective, you hit upon the three prongs of a uh, cooperation from the Department of Justice. And if I could maybe uh, move from cooperation to the remediation prong. That is directly uh, the remit of a compliance practitioner and compliance professional separate and apart from uh, a legal department. And remediation, uh, doing a root cause analysis, finding out what the root cause was, and then using that information uh, in a continuous improvement loop to not only fix the problem but monitor it going forward is really the very basis of a compliance regime in a company. 
and it seems that they have really fallen uh, short on the remediation component as well. Um, I don't want to say they they didn't want to fix it because I know they do and they know they want to get back in production and they want to have a safe product, but they seem to have taken the position that um, only we can do this. And when we say it's ready, um, it will be ready. And that <clears throat> with a regulated industry, whether it's banking, whether it's healthcare or whether it's a safety regulation, such as aerospace is not the way regulation works. You have to have oversight by a regulator and the, um, the starting point of the Times article and the starting point of your blog post is the meeting between the FAA and Muhlenberg. And that came about after Muhlenberg told President Trump in a phone call that uh, Boeing uh, had a fix for the software and the remediation prong and the uh, FAA had not uh, tested it and had not approved it. Well, you know, Trump called the FAA and said, get this sorted out. And they turns out that uh, Muhlenberg was not honest with the president and that uh, the um, Boeing had not provided the documentation and information that the FAA had asked for. And the FAA now, of course, is under their own scrutiny as a regulator. And they're going to be extraordinarily cautious, conservative and careful on every one of the steps they take now. And I, I cannot believe Boeing didn't recognize that fact that berating the regulators for uh, being too slow uh, is not the way to engender cooperation with a regulator now on the remediation prong, separate and apart from how Boeing dissembled around the cooperation prong. You know, I, I have a few thoughts about that. First and foremost, um, Dennis Muhlenberg should not have called Donald Trump about this, period. Um, it was unwise, even if you think the president is great and sharp and on his game uh, and you admire him. It is unwise, especially when it is someone like Donald Trump, who is arbitrary and capricious and perhaps not mentally sound. Or as the former secretary of state Rex Tillerson once said, um, has limited cognitive capability. He should not have called the president and injected that sort of wild element into a very complex situation. Poor decision on Muhlenberg's part. I will even be very generous and say that perhaps when Muhlenberg said, we're ready to go, we're waiting on the FAA, he might have thought this was true. It is not beyond the realm of imagination that maybe the CEO of a very large organization does have a incorrect perception of what is actually happening on the ground. It's one of the CEO's main fears, and I know this. I've talked with several big CEOs. Um, they're always concerned that maybe what I am being told is not accurate. Maybe what I think is true, in fact, is not true. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Muhlenberg didn't know that actually Boeing was not in position and the FAA was waiting on them. Maybe he had it backwards. You know, I, I don't know that that was true or not, but I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe Muhlenberg thought everything he said was, in fact, correct. But my biggest problem is more just um, the ethical element that's involved in this. I mean, it is not a complex analysis for anyone when you realize I'm sitting on some very damning evidence that's really going to make me look bad, but it is what it is. You know, Muhlenberg's a very well-educated person. I am sure that he thinks about ethics and compliance, but how did he not grasp that confessing these very unfortunate documents and being ready to be taken down to the woodshed is part of owning up to your mistakes, which is what ethics is about? Um, 
Tom, you had mentioned that we both know ethics and compliance people at Boeing, and that's true. And generally speaking, I have thought very highly of those people. And I still actually think that in many ways, Boeing's got a very good complex, a good compliance program because it is a lot of very technical regulatory issues it has to navigate. And other than the max, it has generally done very well for itself over the last 10 years. But for all of that, what's the internal control a compliance officer is going to put in place for a CEO who is making poor ethical decisions? Because that's really what was afoot here, in my opinion. And so are we really going to say that the head of ethics compliance at Boeing was going to sit down with the CEO and say the weak spot here is you and your judgment? What are you thinking? I, I don't know that that's a CCO's role, let alone I, I don't think any CCO would want to do that. Um, so it really is a bit of a breakdown. And, and I posted this column of mine on LinkedIn today, and it got a, a fair bit of commentary and, and follow-up posts, which is nice. Um, and a bunch of people were saying, really, isn't this the board's fault? Because it is the board's job to sit down with the CEO and say, your judgment is the problem. Um, why did it have to wait until now when Boeing has mishandled this for 10 months? This is going to cost you know billions of dollars. It's going to cost thousands of people at least some of their economic livelihood. Now Boeing is, of course, screwing up other projects with that Starliner um, satellite that did not go into orbit. So now they've got two different business problems at the same time. I'm not surprised that firing Muhlenberg seemed like a good idea. I'm surprised it took this long for it to be a good idea. You know, also, where was the board? That's my other question about this, because they're the control for a CEO making judgments like Muhlenberg. I, I don't necessarily know that the compliance function can do much. No, I agree that the board is um, the control in place, and they failed to uh, act uh, expeditiously, expeditiously in this case. In a, another podcast on Slate called uh, Money, they talked about the failure of the board, and they posited two reasons for not terminating Muhlenberg, and this was on Saturday. One was there's nobody better. Uh, they, they're in such bad shape that they cannot. no one will come in uh, until the company cleans up this ethics imbroglio that it finds itself in. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two was that there is apparently, or at least the speculation was, there was more bad news to come out and that the board wanted to keep that on Muhlenberg's uh, watch so that the new CEO uh, would have a relatively clean slate, a la, uh, I know I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Dara, something or other, who took over at Uber after Travis Callender. Yeah. Um, both of those uh, arguments, I thought, were a little too weak. And certainly, uh, after as you said, um, when you're on the when you are on the front page of the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal on the same day, at least in the business section, uh, you are in big trouble. Not simply your company. It, it is worth noting now that the new CEO is uh, the board. Chairman, Mr. Calhoun, I don't know his first name off the top of my head. Um, Right away, I'm questioning the wisdom of that because uh, Calhoun has already gone on record saying that he has generally supported all the decisions Boeing has made, including the decision to argue earlier this year that no, they did not need to ground all maxes after the first crash. if it comes to light somehow that Mr. Calhoun, the new CEO, also knew about this exculpatory or not exculpatory, inculpatory evidence, what, whatever the word is, Tom, you'd know, um, really bad evidence. If it comes to light that Calhoun also knew about this, 
I don't really see how his taking over as CEO does the company any favors. Um, it is worth noting that throughout most of this ordeal, Dennis Muhlenberg was the chairman and CEO, and then he had mishandled things so badly they stripped him of the chairman title. So now Chairman Calhoun is chairman and CEO, and did we not just say two months ago that was a bad idea, and now we're back to it? So I wonder if maybe um, the, there's yet another twist in the tale as to who's really going to run Boeing and try and get it in fighting shape for the 2020s. I don't know that Calhoun is going to be a long-term CEO, but um, I just you got to marvel at this. I mean, we could dissect the compliance technical angles of it. We could dissect the the broad ethics of it. And we're both going to wind up being in the same place, which is that what was Boeing thinking? How did they get here? And it's just, it's, it's astonishing. So Matt, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this podcast, but I was wondering if there were two, three points that uh, you would like to sum up uh, this current uh, state of Boeing. What would you say? Well, I would say first that, um, This really shows the importance of CEOs really doubling down on setting an ethical culture and putting those practices, uh, putting those ideas into practice, even when they're painful, because people see that and people understand ethics at a very gut, visceral level. And they do absolutely see a deviation from ethics. They pick up on that very quickly. Um, I think... I don't know. I, that, that might be the most important point is just that a CEO really needs to think constantly about what are the ethical values we are trying to achieve? How is that actually going to look in practice, even under very difficult circumstances? And most of the time, those ethical values are very simple, and they cut through all of the clutter of extenuating circumstances people might argue about. And at the end of the day, in hindsight, the ethical thing always seems blindingly simple and blindingly easy to do. Uh, the real trick is just being able to see it in foresight as well. And that's that's just not what Muhlenberg did. And, and look what happened. Well, Matt, uh, I would like to wish uh, the Kelly family a very Merry Christmas, as well as uh, all of our listeners. How about you? Uh, thank you very much, Tom. And I do also wish a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and to everybody else who is listening out there. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance in the Weeds. We're going to link to Matt's blog post around the missteps and misadventures of former CEO uh, Dennis Muhlenberg. really lays out more of the discussion that Matt and I had. Compliance in the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and proud member of C-Suite Radio. Once again, I hope you have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And Compliance Into the Weeds will be back after the new year. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.